0: Hey, movie addicts! Welcome to Cinema Fix. Your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Frank Reddy. Hello. How are you doing, Frank? You still sick?
1: I'm I'm okay. I'm you know going to go get some vitamin
0: A, vitamin C. Don't forget D and B. I w- I wouldn't. <laughs> That'd be an amateur mistake. Uh, this is part two of episode number 16 of Cinema Fix, focusing on the movie Wanderlust. So if you're looking for part one, you are listening to the wrong file. If this is your first time listening to Cinema Fix, basically all you need to know is that this is the show on Film Geek Radio, devoted to discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. Each week we release an episode in two parts. Uh Part one is where we give our more general thoughts on the movie, and part two, which you're listening to right now, is when we really dive in deep. We talk spoilers, and we really discuss what does and uh, doesn't work about a particular film. As mentioned, this week we are talking about Wanderlust, but before we uh, really get into our discussion, I just need to mention that uh, we will be covering the South by Southwest Film Festival in Austin, Texas this year. We will. Uh, I will be going with uh, Chris Baker from our show Wait, Wait, Don't Eat Me to cover uh, the film portion of South by Southwest. We're we're going to have a lot of reviews and a lot of really cool interviews coming your way. So I, I you know I don't want to harp on this too much, but the, we 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 do rely somewhat on listener donations to to survive and to keep putting out <laughs> content.
1: What? This is the ultra dignified part of the show where we beg for money. We <laughs> beg
0: for money. And, you know. Obviously, I, I I really don't I, I don't like this part of it, but it is it is somewhat necessary so that we can keep putting out content. You it guys ha- can't see it, but Andrew right now is actually down on his hands and knees in the studio, <laughs> just begging, begging for money, begging into the microphone. <laughs> no, it's not quite that bad. But uh, it basically if you thought about donating in the past and and you haven't. Now would be a good time to donate because you should know that any of the, the, the funds we receive will be used to cover our expenses at South by Southwest because that does cost quite a bit of money uh, for us to go cover that for you guys. And um, by support y- y- basically, you will be supporting us being able to bring you some pretty awesome and pretty exclusive content. So that's all I want to say about it. Donate if you like us. Donate. Don't donate if you don't like us screw all those homeless and poor people what do they need donations for (laughs) you know it could be you donate a dollar donate a thousand dollars donate somewhere in between whatever you want basically
1: um it's just those two extremes yeah it's either one dollar or a
0: thousand and look if you don't want to donate and you and you still want to support us Head on over to the website at FilmGeekRadio.com and please take you know 10 to 15 minutes to fill out our listener feedback survey, which you can find in the sidebar on the right in uh, the banner at the bottom of the page. Just fill that out. That lets us know who you are, lets us know what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. It's completely anonymous, so we don't get any of your personal information or anything like that. And it it really does uh, help us out. So at the very least, go fill out that survey. Well done. That's, that's all I want to say. Well done. I, I don't like this part of the show. Well done. <laughs> now get back in your chair. Get, get, on, get off your hands and knees. Okay, let, let's talk about Wanderlust, Frank. Why don't you, uh, uh, once again, remind your listeners what this film is and what it's about. This is about
1: um, a married couple from New York City. They're both very career-driven. Paul Rudd is, you never really find out exactly what he does. He's, he's a corporate guy. He gets laid off. Uh, Jennifer Aniston is his wife. Um, who has moved through several career paths, can't really seem to find her calling. Uh, her latest endeavor was making a, a documentary about penguins for HBO that was not picked up. So they lose their, their recently purchased apartment and they go to, they end up in a uh, commune in Georgia where their relationship is tested by the encroachment of weirdo, hippie free love values. Says with no judgment at all.
0: That's a good way to put it, Frank.
1: Well, I'm, I'm eloquent. I'm, I'm an eloquent guy. Here's a clip. So, George, I hear Eva asked to intercourse with you. What? Yeah. Thanks, Seth. Uh, that was uh, what I was going to tell you. Uh-huh. Apparently, at Elysium, they practice free love. And uh, Eva uh, suggested that we try it.
0: What did you tell her?
1: Uh, no. I said, I said no. I mean we didn't finish the conversation but i was about and I've, i will and did say no this is just biology homo sapiens weren't meant to be monogamous creatures i don't know it just that's this all sounds to me like an excuse for everybody just to get into bed together if you want to pick a fight with your body's sexual chi it's just going to drive it inwards and, and that invites disease and death <whistles> man i'm not a fan of death
0: People treat sex like it's this huge deal with crazy life consequences.
1: Right. Can't believe you slept with that guy. You
0: told me to. No, I didn't. What script are you reading? (laughs) Thank you, Frank. (laughs) That's a good place to start our discussion (laughs) of Wanderlust. Oh, I thought
1: that was like for like the stuff you cut out for the credits, you (laughs) trickster.
0: (laughs) No, but Okay, so let's talk talk about this movie because as, as you just mentioned, there is this whole free love. Aspect to the film. I was focusing more on the inconsistencies, but let's let's talk about free love. That's that's what I want to talk about. Um, So, so spoilers, ahoy, in case you didn't figure it out. But um, essentially, in the film, you've got Justin Thoreau playing this uh, kind of smooth, charismatic community leader. He's like the Fonz, if the Fonz was like Bohemian. (laughs) Basically. hipster, yeah. Yeah. And he winds up sleeping with Jennifer Aniston. He does. Off screen. Off screen. And she then tells her husband, Paul Rudd, you wanted this, right? Right, yeah. And yeah. I was sitting in the audience going. At no point did that line of dialogue yeah. come out of his mouth. Yeah. Basically, what they're alluding to, I think,
1: is a scene where he's trying to convince her to leave. She wants to stay. And he says, well, if we stay, they practice free love. It's, it's all in or nothing. And she goes, well, we're okay with that. And what I had taken away from that scene was that he was trying to like convey to her exactly what they were signing up for, and trying to persuade her to leave.
0: Right. Was that what you took away from? That it? is what I took away from it as well. Yeah. Okay. And also, there was a scene prior to that when uh uh basically Malin Ackerman approaches him and says, "Hey, we practice free love here. I'd love to make love to you sometime." Yeah. And that is later uh, conveyed to Jennifer Aniston, and she's kind of like, "Oh, so were were you gonna tell me about this? What you know? What do what do you think about it?" And He's they not re-
1: asking her if he can do it, though. Right. He's just telling her.
0: They don't really talk about it. He's just kind of like, "Yeah, I was, I was gonna mention it." To I was propositioned. You. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt like the film just basically failed on a basic storytelling level as letting us know, hey, what happened and how do each of these characters feel about what happened. Well, it's just it's that, and they keep trying to like
1: kind of frame it so Paul Rudd is like responsible for like the. F- the failings in his marriage, and you really you don't walk away with that impression at all. Right. It's like he bought the condo because his wife wanted to. He wasn't sure, and it turned out to be a bad idea. He supported his wife through every career change she's done, and I kind of sat there. I was like, you know what? He's right to be a little irate.
0: Right. I mean, who wouldn't be? I mean, it's, it's sort of a negative portrayal of women as well, because Jennifer she did, Aniston comes off... She she's comes, not come off well yeah, at, not all. at all. I mean, I mean, I mean she... She is it's kind of implied she doesn't really know what she wants to do with her life. It's implied that at first she doesn't really get into this whole commune thing, but then she dives right in and, and really loves it, even to the extent of it almost ruining their marriage. And, and she's, right away, she's quick to uh, sleep with this other guy, so she comes across looking...
1: Like on the first night they have the conversation. Right. And right. Then the guy comes up and tells him, hey, I, I just slept with your wife. Right.
0: Yeah, and so it She doesn't come across very well at all. Um, Well, it's funny. Even in that montage
1: when they show them first there, it's like how he's falling out of love with it and she's falling in love with it. And it's because he's getting like all like the terrible jobs, like shoveling manure. Right. And she's there doing like stretches and stuff like that. And it's like, well, if you're going to show that, why
0: wouldn't she like it more than he does? Right. I I just felt like the the film really wasn't a fair portrayal of what this – situation would be like in real life at all no i mean of course it's it's an absurdist comedy so of of course there's going to be over the top ridiculous stuff but i wanted there to at least be some essential relationship elements that we could identify that rang true yeah and all these felt really false right you know and it's it's it seemed very designed to bring the audience on the side of paul rudd yeah, and his character, which I think hurt the film because I don't think we need to be rooting for Paul Rudd. We need to be rooting for both of them. Yeah. We need to be rooting for their marriage. We need to be rooting for the two of them to make it. And that doesn't really come across much in the film at all.
1: No, I think that they that they bungle it so badly. Like by trying to frame Paul Rudd is almost the problem with his marriage towards the end, we're so much on his side where we're just like, well... I don't want him to get her back. Right. It's like he's better off without because she's she comes off as extremely selfish. Sure. Like she just wants something to do with her life, so she throws herself into this commune.
0: Right. And and again, even if it's just you know, just show us a little bit more about her and what was going on through her in her mind. Yeah. And how she feels about it. Just do something to justify her actions for us. Yeah. So we can sort of feel as confused about it as they are. Yeah. Um. And it, the the film just doesn't do that at all. And you know, I think it's because they're trying to draw this sort of parallel between Paul Rudd and his brother, played by Ken Marino, who basically Ken Marino is basically this total jerk. He's really an adulterer. Selfish. He's a to- he's an adulterer. He he helps out his brother, but only because he wants to rub his success in his face, right? And then there's this whole thing at the end when Paul Rudd kind of realizes, oh, in some ways, I'm to blame. For this. And it feels really false. Very false. Really
1: hand fisted. Like yeah. It's just, that's what I meant, said in part one, where there are certain like formula beats they're trying to hit without any connective tissue in between. It's just like, oh,
0: well, we have to go
1: here. So we're going to go here. Right. But nothing before actually supports how we got here.
0: Right. He's, he's just kind of come, feels like, oh, I I guess I'm, I'm kind of selfish, sort of like my brother and I, I drove her to this. It's like no, you're and, not even in the same ballpark. That didn't right. that, that didn't happen.
1: Right. It's like how can you argue that yourself? Uh, it just doesn't didn't make any sense. It really
0: it really doesn't make much sense at all, um, which is unfortunate because the scenes in which Paul Rudd is going through this whole trying trying to work himself up into accepting this whole free love thing are in my opinion, the funniest scenes in the film. Yeah. They're really good. It's just him in a mirror. And just, just him talking to himself in the mirror, trying to, to get himself geared up for it. And then later when he's talking with Malin Ackerman yeah. tr- to basically trying to convince her to, to have sex with him and he just keeps going on and on, you know, I, I want to put my, my meatballs in your hole, <laughs> you know, and you're just kind of like, stop talking. Yeah. But it, but it's hilarious. Um, there's just no heart behind it unfortunately no there really isn't and i i want to talk a little bit about some of the uh supporting characters yeah okay which are for well, the most part they're they're okay they're, they're they're all right some of them are pretty funny um you've got the uh the leader played by Justin Thoreau yeah who is this smooth charismatic guy and i liked our introduction to him, is how he's just kind of all about getting out into nature, and he's like, Oh, I don't really have a home. This is just the place where I slumber. Well, you get the
1: sense that he was kind of. I had mixed feelings about his character just because I think they handled the transition between possible friend to antagonist really poorly. Right. Like, it, it just it really quick switch. But, I mean, I think you're supposed to get the impression that he's somebody, like, a very shallow person who is attracted to the lifestyle because it makes him appear deep and cool and romantic. Like, he's not actually.
0: But at the same time, he kind of is. I mean, he composes a whole song based around the wind at Jennifer Aniston's request. Yeah, but it wasn't even, it was like a made-up, weird. <laughs> right song but he was still a guitar expert basically yeah but he's he's not like a
1: pure hippie he's mm-hmm. like i'm in this to pick up chicks hippie, sort of and not have to work hippie
0: right i i can definitely see where you're you're coming from the hippies in my day had character
1: <laughs> they had deep moral fiber they worked because they were against. they didn't work because they were against it not because it was easy <laughs> right
0: <laughs> you know i i feel like um the main part about his character that didn't work was that whole "oh, well, I'm going to uh uh sell the deed, <laughs> sell the deed. I'm gonna burn it. I'm gonna um stab all my my fellow community members in the back because yes, Jennifer is totally in love with me, and we're gonna move off to Miami and start a commune in Miami, right? And I was of the like, elderly. I, I was just like, I know this guy isn't smart, but surely he would have spoken to her before. Doing this,
1: I love that he sold it for eleven thousand dollars. That yeah. whole property—that <laughs> was funny.
0: That that, that part whole... was funny. You know, um, he's so out of touch. He thinks that's as a lot of money. That that was pretty great, especially for all that land. Right, it's ridiculous. But on the whole, that whole subplot just did not work.
1: No, it just—I I think it literally existed just so you could turn up the meter on how much you're supposed to not like this guy. Right. I think it's just—it becomes more about him just sleeping with Jennifer Aniston. It becomes, oh, he's. He's actually a threat to the community. He's selfish, and so you. But I don't think it was necessary. I think in my mind, if he sleeps with Paul
0: Rudd's wife, you automatically... because you like Paul Rudd so much, you automatically want him to get his ass kicked. Oh sure, sure. Um, you know I think the most interesting side character <laughs> was uh, Wayne, played by Joe Joe Lo Yeah. The uh, the nudist, who is also working on a novel. is the only. Um, supporting character I can think of that really goes through a concrete arc he actually has goals yes he has goals he has stuff he's working on he has he does have these kind of the, these nudist uh, nature loving values but he, that's not it that's not all there is to his character no and he actually goes from a place of oh I really want to be a good writer will you help me with this to actually growing and evolving and being like, oh, that's exactly what I needed. Yeah. Now I can actually work on this book and become successful.
1: Well, that's, yeah, I liked that element of it. I didn't like that, you know, Paul Rudd gives him some criticism, then he comes back and tells him he loved the, the latest draft of the book, and so now he's, gonna, he's decided he's going to become a publisher.
0: Well, it, it's a bit easy. Yeah, it's it definitely an an easy resolution because they never hint at that he right. even likes books throughout the rest of the movie. Well, they well they imply that he definitely he wants to write. Okay, he's always coming up and is like, "Hey, I'm work I'm working on this book. Let me read you some."
1: Oh no, no, I didn't mean um, Wayne. I meant uh, Paul Rudd's character. Oh right, right. It just, it just seemed really out of the blue. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the, the whole ending is very easy. It's, oh, one of the, the the founders are actually still alive, the co-founders of the group. And look, we have another copy of the deed. Yeah. Wow, that's convenient. Yeah. Way to go, Alan Alda. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah, he ends up becoming a publisher. And it, it is very convenient. But I felt like at the very least that subplot with Wayne actually had a concrete arc and resolution. Yeah. Which is more than I can say for pretty much all the other plot threads in the film. I would definitely agree. I, let me ask you, speaking of Wayne and the fact that he's a nudist, how did you feel about the use of nudity in the film? I think you got to be careful with
1: nudity because it can just become such an easy laugh. Right. Like it becomes too simple.
0: Um... I, I feel like ever since uh, Borat, and specifically the hotel scene in Borat... Yeah. And maybe to some extent, for forgetting Sarah Marshall, male nudity has been kind of one of the primary go to shock gags, yeah uh in, in r rated comedies, and it's reached the point where i it's it's not effective anymore. You can kind of tell that it's just doing it to do it, yeah um and the the first scene where we we meet Wayne where they actually crash their car because he's in the woods naked, and we see him full frontal i thought that was fine i thought that was perfect yeah uh it's it's shocking to the audience but it's also shocking to the characters which is part of why they crash yeah and it kind of introduces
1: you to this whole weird unusual environment you're about to enter right it sets it apart i thought that was fine
0: um what didn't really work for me is there's a scene later on where Wayne is just standing by the bed naked and you can see the tip of his penis kind of in paul rudd's face well at that point it's like we get it right we get it this is
1: over you're a nudist yeah it's hilarious let's move on
0: yeah and and then later at the very end uh wayne is sort of involved in this with this whole nudist colony uh, most of them older and middle-aged and there's a scene in which they're all running oh, from the is... chaos that is occurring and you, we, we end up with uh, a, a shot of Several elderly people. Several elderly people. Frontal. In the buff. Um, Man and woman. And there was a part of me that was like, good for you, movie. I'm proud of you for daring to show naked old people, essentially. And to take that leap because most movies won't do that at all. Yeah. For any purpose. So I applaud you for crossing that line. Unfortunately, it did just feel like... A shock thing yeah it felt like like honestly it felt like there was no reason for Wayne to be addressing all of these people except so that we could later get a shot of them all naked running yeah and it just that it, it felt a bit too trite I guess and a bit too shallow and superficial I would agree a, a use of nudity I would agree you kind of want them to work a little bit harder for the laughs right um, I would agree yeah, so I, I wasn't too big on the use of nudity in the film. I, I thought it was mainly just used as a crutch. I think
1: one of the things that bothered me was I really liked Ken Marino in the movie. I, you know, I'll, I'll be happy whenever I see him in something. Like, see,
0: his whole character didn't really work for me.
1: Yeah, it just, you know, my problem with it is if they set it up, it, it's either these two extremes. It's either you work in a regular job and it's miserable. You like he, he Paul Rudd worked for his brother for a little while, and his brother owns like a porta porta potty company, right? Or you you do nothing and you live a wonderful life with the hippies. They never explore like the middle ground where it's right.
0: You can you can you can
1: work and still have like a nice life. And sure, still enjoy yourself. And
0: it's you know Kim Marino, his character, he seems to be fairly happy. Yeah, yeah, he's a jerk yeah (laughs) he's a total douchebag but he's doing well for himself he's successful and he seems happy and Paul Rudd works for him for a while and it's implied that basically the only reason he stops working for his brother is that his brother is just such an (laughs) ass yeah like basically what he's supposed he is gonna get paid to sit at his desk and do data entry yeah which not a great job but it's not that difficult and it it's going to help him make a living, you know, until he finds another job. So I was kind of thinking, like, well, that's not a bad deal. I mean, your brother's letting you stay at his place, and it's giving you a job that doesn't suck too badly, even though it has to do with porta potties I would agree. The only thing that sold me on
1: I did think that breakfast scene where he decided to leave... It did sell me on the fact that his brother was such a douchebag. Well, right, that you just you can't stay in that house. Well, that's the
0: thing because they they have to have him be a total jerk. Otherwise, we wouldn't. He would never get to the commune because you, again, you'd be thinking, well, wait, why do you want to go to the commune? This yeah. isn't such a bad place to be in right now, yeah. and that is why I think you know it, it hurts the film because the film doesn't really have a consistent message it's trying to say about the value of living on a commune versus the value of. Um, Living in a typical, you know, Western civilization-ish job and and driving for financial success.
1: I mean, I'm sitting here thinking about it, and I do think they did try and find, like, some balance with the message. I don't think they hit it as strongly as they could have where they have that scene where Alan Alda is, I guess, like, the oldest member, one of the founders of this commune. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jennifer Aniston catches him eating meat at a diner in town. Mm -hmm. I mean if you can read into that scene it's like yeah i mean it's nice to have you got to find a balance it's like you can't you know it doesn't have to be an extreme you have right. to be no meat at all but i mean just balance it
0: well i think the main problem with this film is the same problem that plagues most mainstream cinema today and that is that the studios you know because the the film obviously costs a little bit of money they're trying to please a lot of people it's supposed to be a, a movie that everyone can enjoy and as a result it doesn't want to take a stand for fear of alienating anybody. So it wants to criticize sort of this New York lifestyle by saying, hey, look, it's really expensive and, you know, it's really kind of shallow. You're just there because you love the lattes and you're stressed all the time and, you know, you're too tired to, to have sex and really enjoy life. But it never really, it never wants to criticize. I guess the more institutionalized aspect of capitalism and the, you know, the American dream and working your way up, because that would be going too far. That would alienate too many people. So again, like I said, when it finally does get down to them in Georgia, I was just kind of like, just take with your brother. That's fine. They have to make the brother an extreme caricature, otherwise the plot doesn't work yeah the plot doesn't work and at the same time they want to sort of make fun of all these people that live on a commune without really and they want to they, they sort of want to idealize and say yeah this could be a good lifestyle but they don't they don't treat it with respect really they don't really dive into they don't try to understand the whys. yeah why do people join communes yeah. like this you know why do they reject quote unquote the system and the quote-unquote normal way of living life uh, for, for, for this alternative lifestyle. And it's just there's just no motivation. There's no point of view. There's nothing I could really grasp onto as to what the film was trying to say. And I think that really hurt it.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. You know, I think overall, as we've said, it's just a lack of coherency. Right. That really, it's not sure what it wants to say. The plot's not quite sure what it wants to do
0: and after a while just the gag start to to get old right i mean i mean it wants to say yeah go live in new york if that's what you want to do yeah go live in georgia and be and run a porta potty business if that's what you want to do yeah go live on a commune if that's what you want to do i feel like the it's trying to say do you, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you're surrounded by the people you love and, and strike a balance and you have a ba- good balance in your life and you're happy but it's not really communicated with much force no
1: I mean, I think at the end, the big happy ending is supposed to be, yes, Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston have saved their marriage. It's as strong as ever, but it doesn't really Wait, come across as a victory. Where
0: where were they at the end? Were they still on the commune?
1: They were in New York City. They had That's wa- right. Wanderlust, the book publishing company. That's right. They had like a big apartment, a big
0: home that they owned. So, But the last shot is just them with the room, with the door. Yes. So again, you have that... The, Again, it's kind of going back to, oh, yay, we're successful now. We get to live in New York. We get to have all this stuff because we found the right balance. And it's like, uh, you didn't find really the balance. You're su- you 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 published a good, a best-selling book, you know. Yeah, That's I, why you get to have the fancy home in New
1: York City. Yeah, I almost feel like the balance would be that maybe they live, like, outside the city in, like, a, a rural part where they right. have, like, the backyard and... Like, they take, like, maybe, like, weekend trips up to visit the commune or something.
0: Right. At the end of the day, it's kind of like, okay, let's let's be honest here. Sure, they learn some stuff from being on the commune, but they would still have the fancy place in New York City at the end of the film if they didn't go to the commune and they just found a best-selling book to publish. Yes. You know, You don't really need to learn anything to get to that. Point so I wasn't quite sure is the film saying oh they're successful because they're happy and their relationship is good are they successful because they're making a lot of money is it successful because
1: of coincidence
0: right the film doesn't really know what how to answer that question of what is success is success just being happy surrounded by people you love is success mean financially successful and having a decent amount of money. to to live the way you want to live and the film doesn't really come down one way or the other and that felt a bit false to me
1: yeah i think it was trying to be safe it was trying to get to that happy ending
0: where it needed to go and And again it it wants to please everybody it wants to say yay you you can be happy and make lots of money and have this quote-unquote balance in your life everybody wins Sort of thing.
1: (laughs) And it it does feel a little false.
0: You know, the title of the movie is Wanderlust, which, according to the dictionary, is a strong desire to travel. A man consumed by wanderlust. Thanks, Google. So that idea that you don't really want to be in one place, you kind of want to travel. I can sense that in the film in the sense that, you know, Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston aren't really on solid ground. They don't really know where they want to be. They're kind of going from New York City to the to the to to Atlanta to this commune, but it's not out of a desire to travel. No, it's-, it's because they have to. And it almost seems like they're looking for a place to settle down. And the people on this commune are there because it's for them it's it's home. It's the place where they've chosen to settle down. They don't want to leave. So calling the movie Wanderlust after a strong desire desire to travel seems like a terrible title to me. It does. Yeah, I I could agree. Unless it's you know, unless they're equating travel with Existential travel. Yeah, existential travel or finding success and purpose. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what David Wayne was, was thinking there. Who knows? But uh yeah, overall I was disappointed in the film. Me too. So, it's time for our new regular segment, Reboot This. Reboot This. So, Frank, if you had to either remake Wanderlust or pitch a a, a sequel or a prequel to Wanderlust, what would it be? Let's pitch a sequel. Okay. Uh, Wanderlust Year. Wanderlust Year. Okay. Okay. Let's try and think of a good one. Um, what, what would happen in, in Wanderlust to Wanderlust Year? They discover oil underneath the commune. Okay. And
1: so even more development guys want to swarm in and take it away. Okay. Meanwhile, Wayne can't think of the idea for his next book. Okay. So Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston come back to try and coach him in how to write writing his next book.
0: Oh, because he was inspired.
1: Yeah. Well, because they're his publishers now. Right. Oh, so he's still on the commune. Yes. Okay. He still was at the end of the last movie. Right. Wayne. He's still a nudist. Meanwhile... He falls in love, Wayne falls in love with a girl who is not a nudist. Oh no. And he can never go anywhere with her because he is a nudist. And so their love is kept apart by the thin veil of clothing. Oh man. Very deep. That is deep. Meanwhile, Jennifer Aniston's character is pregnant. Okay. Yes.
0: Oh, and then you get into this whole idea of, well, how do we want to get, how do we want to handle this, this baby? Do we want to go to the, do we, do we want to do the traditional Western? birthing style and handle western medicine or do we want to do the more natural birth
1: and can we still live in New York City with a child do we need a more rural
0: environment to raise the baby right so I like it it's just rife with conflict it is and then meanwhile the people in the commune have to you know they have that internal conflict of oh no there's all this oil we could totally get rich yeah and live off live in luxury for the rest of our lives right
1: so their very values are being thrown into confusion right and then one of the members of the development staff who's trying to steal the commune for the oil is Justin Thoreau. He oh. sha- he shaved his long hair, he's cut off the beard, he's gone corporate, he's gone corporate, and he's here for
0: revenge. I like it. I like this. I like this pitch better than the than Wanderlust. I haven't even gotten to the point part where Ghost Rider shows up. <laughs> oh, you, you want to do a crossover? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. What's your pitch? I'm I'm actually pretty happy with that one. Really? I am. <laughs> I think that is a that is a great pitch. Except, okay, what what's going to happen to Kim Marino's character? We need Kim Marino to sh- come back in one way or um, okay. Well, they
1: implied at the end of the movie when they showed the cover of that book where his wife says, "I hate you." Uh, I forget what his name was. Right. They did imply that she was gonna that she was kicking him out. She said he was kicking
0: him out. So. Oh, here we go. So Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston return to this commune to help Wayne deal with his, uh, his writer's block. And they find out that Ken Marino has yes. been living
1: there. Yes. And he's like bearded. And he, he likes, he was an adulterer. So he's totally given himself over this free love thing.
0: No, how about this? The, uh, he's totally changed. Yeah. This lifestyle has totally changed him. He's, he's taken, uh, a temporary vow of celibacy oh. until he can get his life back. On track. That'd be interesting. Yes. Yes. And he's very much kind of this. He he's kind of like the, almost like how Justin Thoreau was in the first film. Just very kind of mellow. He sold his porta potty company. Yeah. Okay. the The Earth is his porta potty now. Yes. Wherever there's wherever there's
1: some dry grass and some leaves. Yeah. That's where he calls home. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it too. So he's taken Justin Thoreau's place. He's now the leader of the community,
0: right? But he's he but he's he's a good guy now. He's reformed. Yeah.
1: Yes, but he still has occasional slips. Like whenever he comes into contact with society, he starts to revert. Right. So if he leaves, so that means jeopardy. Because if he they get if they do leave Elysium, he doesn't want anybody else to leave for the oil. Because if he leaves, he's afraid he'll fall back into his old ways. Right.
0: The oil might corrupt him. I like it. This is wow. We we just uh we just added more interesting uh character threads and internal conflict than I think in the entirety of the first film.
1: I think from years from now when Paul Rudd's
0: career starts to slow down and he's desperate. He's gonna listen to this episode and he's gonna be like I get like these it. these guys on the phone. Yeah. Wander lustier. Wander lustier, I like it. Yes. <laughs> An even stronger desire to travel. Yes. Wander lustier. Wander lustier. Ghost Rider <laughs> <laughs> Ghost Rider three. Wanderlust here.
1: Justin throws is just about to steal the deed to the oil and Ghost Rider shows up, makes a joke
0: about hell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that'll wrap it up for our discussion of Wanderlust. Be sure to tune in next week when we will be discussing Project X. It should be fun. We saw it already and should be we, interesting. We're not allowed to say yet what we think of it. No. it's we're but, I, it. but I can tell you this. I think we're going to have a really interesting discussion about it. I think so too, so definitely tune in next week when we talk Project X as mentioned please uh, we, we are going to South by Southwest we accept we we greatly appreciate any donations uh, you're willing to give us in order to help cover expenses and also please fill out that survey on the homepage www.filmgeekradio.com. It takes about 10 to fifteen minutes that'll really help us uh, get a get an idea of what you want from us, what we can do to improve the show for you. You can also email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at www.filmgeekradio.com. You can subscribe to the show through iTunes. Uh, please write us a quick review. It takes about 30 seconds. Not a big time consumer there. Just hop on iTunes, uh, write us a quick review, unless you hate us, in which case, don't worry about it.
1: Unless you hate us.
0: <laughs> yeah, unless you hate us. It's we like
1: that Friends episode. You can forward your constructive co- – oh, no, the Office episode. You can forward your constructive compliments to FilmGeekRadio.com.
0: <laughs> constructive compliments. Constructive compliments. I like it. Uh, yeah, that'll, that'll really help us out and help get the word out about the show. Frank, where can people find you online? Uh, FJReady at
1: Twitter.com. Uh, quite frankly, television.wordpress.com. And that's about it.
0: And also on the Film Geek Radio blog i am on the film geek radio blog now yeah we we ended up not reviewing this means war on the show but you wrote up a cool little review of it i wrote
1: up a a quick little review just to give you a taste of what you can expect and if i think it's worth seeing
0: yeah i'm andrew johnson you can find some of my writing at com and also online at the film geek radio blog on the website um you can also follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a quick message and let me know you're a listener so I can follow you back and we can talk wanderlust and wanderlust deer. Wanderlust deer. Bring your casting suggestions to filmgeekradio.com. <laughs> Ray Liotta needs to be a full-time uh, cast member. I think so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think so. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Frank Reddy. And have fun this week in Highland Cinema.